we're going to be in the church again. Acts 2, 42 through 47 is where our primary scripture is. And I hope you turn to that location uh, that we can, because I want to kind of dissect that just a bit today. And so if you if you would uh, find that in your Bibles, I, I hope you do. It's right after the Gospels. I'm sure a lot of you or most of you, if not all of you, know where that's located. 2, 42 through 47. There was a, just not too long ago, maybe a month or so ago, I was watching a program on Nebraska educational television. And it was just as, it was pretty interesting, uh, to say the least, uh, even the, even the uh, premise of it. And so I started watching it. And what it was was a story about uh, these folks that train comfort dogs uh, for soldiers that have PTSD. And, and it really, um, it, it, that was the, the whole focus, I guess, but it told so many different stories in that, in that uh, show. And it was just also interesting, and it was only about an hour long, but it just really had an impact on my life, you know, uh, to think about the soldiers in our time, and really all times, but maybe perhaps especially now, when um, for most of us, our focus and our desires are driven by the immediacy of our lives, uh, and it's really, and this isn't a bad or anything, but it's really what we need, and, and that's where we put all of our eggs in that basket. It's like, this is what I need, and this is how, uh, what I need to do to take care of mine, me and mine. And, and you have these people all over the country, young men and women, who sign their names on a line, and they put themselves not in just harm's way for a, a little time, the harm's way now that we understand with this PTSD thing that is quite prevalent. And they, they're signing up and knowing full well that when they come home, things are going to be different. My mind started going there. But how brave. And, the, and you think about the, what they've been through, and you've got to listen to what they say. Because they are at a point of that very few people ever... Um, put themselves in an environment that says there is no gray areas. There's an absolute rigid understanding of what it takes to survive and to get through those times. And so this soldier that was talking, and, and he said something that I just, I just couldn't, I wrote it down because I, I couldn't release it, and I still haven't released it. And, and he said, what he said, a soldier's greatest asset is his or her skill set. What each one of those soldiers did, uh, maybe it was natural um, skill or maybe it was a learned skill, but every single soldier that in, in his immediate area had a specific skill set, something that was absolutely required for the, for the survival of everybody around them. If this soldier, whatever his skill set was, failed on his part or had apathy in his part or had resistance to share in his part, then everything was going down the tubes. Nobody was safe then. Everybody was in danger unless everybody fulfilled their part. And so he said this just offhandedly. He said a soldier's greatest asset is his specific skill set. But a skill set is absolutely worthless unless you're willing to lay it all down the line and share it with everybody else in your immediate vicinity. Isn't that something? Well, naturally, I just plugged that right into the church. 
and how real that is. Isn't that exactly the way it is for us as the church, as the body of Christ, as the people that are supposed to uh, uh, come and, and offer hope to each other, encouragement, my skill set, your skill set, all the things that we do that we share, um, it isn't just something that is almost like a passive agreement to say, you know what, I'll fold bulletins today. <laughs> but it's even more than that. What if we start looking at our, our church family, our church, our, our, our responsibilities as believers, just like it's a life and death situation, a pressure cooker of requirement that you will not survive, I will not survive unless I do my part. Unless I take my skill set and every single day my goal is to do the best I possibly can with that. And not only that, but improve on my skill set day after day after day. So I'm going to be able to be the best I can possibly be for all of my brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't know if that sounds like you're getting overboard today, McDermott. I don't know if it is. In fact, I don't think it is because you don't have to turn there right away. I'll, I'll just, I'll just share this with you. We are in a war, aren't we? We are in a life and death, eternal life and death situation all the time. Ephesians 6 says this, Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, soldiers. Be strong in the Lord. Improve your skill set so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, the things that we see in front of us, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We are in a life and death situation. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, your skill set, so that when the day of evil comes, and every day it's here, isn't it? So that when that day comes, not if, but is coming. So that we're, when we're in full battle, when, when there's no option, when there's no gray areas in our life, when the requirements of my job and your job are very small, rigid thing, we're ready. I know that a program on any TV doesn't get everybody's mind going like that. But I'm thankful that I watched that show and it was God-ordained because I just can't shake it. What is my skill set? What is your skill set? And what am I doing with it? And, and can you count on me? And can I count on you? Because it's a requirement. Because if our greatest asset is our skill set, and it is, we have to know that it's worthless unless we step up and use it for each other's well-being. Our focus scripture is this today. Now. Now, that now I want you to just think about just real briefly, because I'm already getting windy. But that now is, is after Luke 5, 11, 1 through 11, remember? Going deeper. Now that you've been affected by the power of God in your life, nothing will be the same. 
Now everything has changed. Now the battle begins. Now you can see you were blind and now you see once you were dead and now you're alive. And now there's a requirement of every single person that has been astonished at what God has done in our lives. Now. We're no longer individuals. We're no longer um, somebody doing their thing over here and over here. But now we are in a battle. Now the requirements to be the body of Christ isn't just something that we read or something that we sing about. So now, I need you to stay alive. You need me. All of us need each other because each one of us is a part of that. What is your skill set? Now, we overcome our individuality. Now we're not just transformed um, believers. You know, you know, you hear the sanctification process of our lives. Most certainly, right? Prayerfully, every single day that God has whittled my hard-headed, hard heart um, ways away a little bit more, a little bit more. And so I'm being transformed day by day to be more like Christ. But we do that together, not on our own. And I can't get there unless you talk to me and are honest with me and say, Roger, <laughs> I see this in your life. Let me help you. You have my back. I have your back. I think everybody has the picture. We are in a war, Ephesians 6 says, and we need each other. But because all of our eternal boxes have been checked, maybe much more than that, the world needs us as a unified army of people who say there's hope. Even in the midst of the darkest hours, there's hope. I want to go to the next slide there, Ange. And, and so we'll go back to that 242 through 47. You know, last week we talked about just the first word, basically. They devoted themselves. And so I really wanted to get that in my mind, and I, and I hope for yours as well, that, that without devotion, without saying I'm all in, then already things have got off kilter. Um, already there's going to be people in this room who have this dynamic, wonderful, irreplaceable skill set that quite isn't quite helping me out and you out and the church out in the foxholes of this world. We can't do that. So please be devoted. Please be devoted. Please help me to be more devoted to the battle that we're in. Remember the setting for this reading, the fellowship of believers is what my heading says. On that day in Jerusalem, 3,000 people in one sermon became believers and their eternal life was changed and all the boxes were marked. But they didn't go hurrah and go back to their lives because they had been transformed from who they were into someone else that God is building in their lives now. And it wasn't just an individual thing, but they found out quickly that it was a corporate thing. And in this time, they most certainly needed each other. Because in this time, there was great opposition to the church. In fact, in just a very short time, Christians were going to be so persecuted that they were spread throughout the world and most of the Christians that we're reading about in this passage and that 3,000 would have had to leave Jerusalem just to stay alive. 
And so they knew that they couldn't do this alone. They knew that they had to have each other. And then we find the fellowship then in these passage, in this passage. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Remarkable. Isn't it? Isn't that a beautiful passage? The fellowship. Everyone using their assets. The full, the, the soldiers fully engaged. No worries about what was going over here or over here or over there. I had to worry about just my specific area and do it to the best of my ability because I had complete confidence that everybody else was on board. Man, what a beautiful thing. I think that can be done again. And I'm sure, in part, all churches are doing it because of the power of the Spirit. And so they shared everything. That's almost like anti-American, isn't it? That's almost like freaking out and saying, that's socialism talk, or whatever it is that we do, that we put up in the way, and that isn't it at all. These people all had their own lives, I'm sure, But their focus, their dedication was to make sure that everything was in order in God's house. Not the building, but God's house, my heart, and your heart, and the corporation of hearts, in fact. They shared everything. I don't think that that's a a stretch here, because if you look at the words in your, if you have your Bible open, it's they devoted themselves. No longer individuals. Each individual devoted himself, surely. But they devoted themselves as a corporate body. They came together. They devoted themselves and they encouraged each other. To the fellowship, that most certainly is they shared everything. That's a corporate. Everyone was filled with all. All the believers were together. It was their possessions. And they gave to anyone. Do you see what I mean? They shared everything. In all the ways through these passages, it was about sharing. They met. They broke bread. They ate together. They did everything and shared everything together. So what I'm getting at is I think the primary thing, how do we get to the church like this? First and foremost, as individuals, we become disciples. And then we come together as a corporate body of disciples, following Christ, believing in Him. And then we become devoted together. And then we begin to be an understanding that the only way that we're going to survive as the body of Christ is when we begin to share together. They shared everything. And the result? Do you know the result? The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Is that worth it for us to at least consider the power of those few verses that we're looking at? Is it? To consider, okay, how 
What do I need to do in my life to, to hone my skill set as a disciple of Christ? What is it? Let the Spirit speak to your heart because each and every one of us has room to improve. You think about those soldiers. It wasn't the, the guy learned in basic training to be a sharpshooter and then he put his gun on the shelf and said, you know what? If, if the terrorists ever show up, I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure I'll be able to pull my rifle off there, dust it off real quick and, and do pretty good. I'm guaranteeing you all the guys in the in the platoon would have been like, hey, Bob, you want to go practice a little bit? Because we most certainly are planning on you being able to take those people out like a mile from here. They would have been encouraging him to hone his skill set, right? And I'm sure he would have been doing it. Because he'd be looking at his people that he loved and said, man, if I miss this shot, if I'm not ready, if I don't care, if I'm like sleeping in, then somebody that I care about is going to be lost. Isn't that right? And isn't that exactly what would happen? But man, when everything was working together, when everybody was prepared, when everybody, their skill set was being engaged and used, and, and I, I want to help, what? The Lord added to their number daily whose eternal lives were instantly changed because of the power of God working through an army of believers. They shared everything, those skill sets. And so I want to look at those just, you know how I am. We won't end with this. That 11 chapters from or 11 uh, verses from Luke. We stayed there for like six months or something, so who knows how long we'll be here. But this understanding of skill sets, I think there's five of them in here that I want to look at. And the first one is discipleship. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the disciples' teachings. And so if that's one of the skill sets that is in every church or should be every church that is honed, who does that? What is, what is that? Well, I think that this idea of being disciples is that going deeper understanding. Uh, um, I want to be the best soldier I can be. And so I want, you know, in, in that term, terminology. And, and so I study. And I pray and I desire change in my life and in Angie's life and in the church's life and your life. But I'm not by myself because I need to sit under teaching, too. I know that in Sunday school, Morgan teaches down there. And I know that there's just all kinds of different things going on. Um, Tammy does all kinds of youth type of teaching. Rob is involved in that. Jonathan, all the people that are involved in that kind of teaching, it's always dangerous to start naming names because you leave somebody out, and I don't intend to do that. All I'm saying is that's an example of discipleship. I need to make sure that I know how to use my rifle properly. But I also need to sit under the instructions of Spirit-filled believers just like that. I need to go to Sunday school. I need to read my Bible with you and pray with you, and hear from you, and that's discipleship, right? That's one of the skill sets that has to be you leaders, you teachers, people that are moved. Don't sit in your pew if God is saying, 
I know you're not really liking standing in front of the group of people, but here I've laid something on your heart. Share it with your brothers and sisters so that we can learn, so that we can grow, so that we can all become disciples. Secondly, there's a, the fellowship, verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together. Every day. I have a pastor friend that he's got this new motto that he's working on and he's talking to his church and he says, go to church every day. Go to church every day by being the church out there every day. Isn't that cool? I like that. We can go to church every single day, the fellowship of believers. Every day they begin to meet. You know the passage in Hebrews that I brought up many times and I just love it and I have for 20 years. Let us consider how we may spur one and on one another on toward love and good deeds. The passage of fellowship, right? Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. Let, let us make each other know that, man, I'll tell you what, I know that, that, that there's fearsome stuff going on out there. But let us encourage one another. Let us help each other along all the more as the day approaches because we are on a time clock. Amen? The Lord is coming back. And I know lots of people who have yet to be affected by the beauty of the cross, who have yet to say yes, who have yet to repent of their sins and to walk under the forgiveness of the blood of Jesus Christ. And why is that? it's a multiple reasons but I don't want it to be because my rifle is on the shelf gathering dust I, I don't want it to be because I failed you in your time and so I want to get together hospitality you know what 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 is this fellowship thing maybe hospitality when my in-laws were in, in the hospital both at the same time both at the same time they received flowers because Cheryl was so kind to order those for the church that's a hospitality thing, right? There's people doing these things. And our church family is, is, is being um, helped, not in a way of anything other, but it's an encouragement. How can we be in fellowship all the time? In, in this day and age, this connectivity that we have everywhere. The, send a text message. And say, hey, hey, I'm praying for you, brother. We, we can watch each other. We don't even care if the government says we can't meet in this building anymore. Because we'll just do it online. Facebook, emails, cell phones. But we need to tell each other that we care. Verse 47, the other skill set would be worship. Praising God. What takes place here on Sundays? Everything, right? Our worship service. Hey, did you think about that? Um, so one of our soldiers, went, let's say it like this, one of our soldiers, Dean, went down. And so Randy, second string, but he still did a good job on those bulletins in there. He got in there and did the bulletins and folded them in the whole nine yards, right? So that's, a, that's part of our worship. You don't think of it like that. But the people that are folding the bulletins are just as important as, as far as I'm concerned because I always like those inserts as the guy who's standing up here 
or the person that vacuums this floor. All kinds of things, the music that is involved, the, the great music that is involved, all those kind of things, the communion service, that's worship. That's a skill set. And it sounds like I'm going off the rails here maybe, does it? I don't know. But it's not. This is part of what they were talking about in 42 through 47. Another skill set is evangelism. Enjoying the favor of all the people. Now that's a remarkable thing. It's a remarkable thing. You think about, if we just put ourselves, what is the average American, at least that's what gets reported on the news, and I don't know if it's true or not, it's certainly not true in my area, but the average American thinks of church-going people. Maybe apathetic, maybe oppositional. I don't know. And we have reasons. It's like, oh, gosh, you know, the, ah, oh, gosh, look up the statistics or, or the things they say are to statistics, why people are leaving the church. The young people won't go to church. The, the church has lost its uh, whatever. All those things are really just an excuse. How, how do we make this happen? And, and I'll tell you this, enjoying the favor of all the people for these folks in that time frame was almost unbelievable. They started a new religion, so to speak, in the middle of one of the oldest religions on the planet, right in the middle of Jerusalem, the Jewish nation. It was a monotheistic government even overall. And yet here was this small group of people who said, there's a new way and a, and a new thing, and it starts with Jesus Christ. And they did it, and they presented it in such a way that it says that all the people, even if they didn't agree with them, even if they didn't uh, even want anything to do with it, they still really liked being around these Christian people because they were so full of joy. Now, that's a skill set that really needs honed in the America today. So how does that look? Well, it's the public face of the gospel that we get the opportunity to take out on the streets everywhere we go. It's the things that we do out of this church, the VBS, uh, the, the, the Kids for Christ, and the, all the other things that are involved in what we do that the people see outside of this building that we're able to affect the, the public. That's a skill set. The ministry, verse 47, the Lord added to their number daily. That's when we all agree on something. And that's the basics of what we do. The, the, what we're protecting, what we're promoting, what we're trying to give to people in need, and that is the gospel. That's what the ministry looks like. The ministry is found and, is, and it works when it's clearly defined common goal and all of this working together and produces missions out of this church. And so I want to show you something. This is a ministry wheel that Angie and I kind of came up with one time. That really, this is Acts 2:42 through 47. I, I hope you can see that clearly. I don't know if you can, but we'll maybe we'll do something different that has it in your bulletins or something. But this is like a, this is a, a visual for you for Acts 2:42 through 47. This was what I think helps the church move down the line, and I think this is what God designed in the initial church in Jerusalem that day. That 3,000 people got saved. What did they do? They came together. And when God 
formulate something like that out of this miracle, then it's usually closer to what God desires in, in the world, in, in the church, and in our lives. And so I think that this is what it is. All the believers were together, and they devoted themselves to what? The gospel. At core of everything that we do has to be the gospel. Everything that we care about, everything that we are protecting, everything that we will not give one inch of, of, of terrain to is we will not back away from the truth of the gospel, and that is Christ lived, He died, He was buried, He rose again, and there's forgiveness for all who walk under the shadow of the cross and ask for forgiveness of their sins. It's the gospel, the same goal that we all agree on. And then it spills out into the five different um, sections of what I believe are the skill sets of the church that must be there in place and must be developed. Worship, discipleship, evangelism, fellowship, ministry. However that falls, and I have to ask you, where do you today, do you think you might fit in there? What is your skill set? Whether it was something that came to you naturally or something that came to you when you became a born-again believer and you were spilled, uh, filled with your spiritual gift. I don't know. Only you know. But I'm guaranteeing you that this church will not run until all of us get engaged in whatever our specific skill set is, even if it spills into one or more. It has to be taking place in this church. And if you are a disciple, it has to be taking place in your life. If we are going to share the gospel, it will end up in a mission field somewhere. That's the outer circle. You see that? Everything that we do out of this church starts with the gospel, spills through our specific ministry, and it ends up on the streets of Miller in Amherst, and all around. Isn't that something? And I think if we plug this into our lives and into our church, something's going to be said about us someday in the annals of heaven, and it'll be saying, Ah! And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved, because every soldier was in place, and every soldier could count on every other soldier using their skill set to the max. Nobody was apathetic. Nobody said not today. Nobody resisted what was supposed to take place because they cared far, far too much for their brothers and sisters that were in the foxhole and they were never, ever again going to turn away. So how do we get there? Together. Amen? Our closing scripture says this. Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Man, I hope you can count on me. And if you see me failing, if you see me with my, my tools or my weapon up on the shelf, would you please tell me? And don't be offended if I tell you. Help each other. Encourage us. Let's get through this thing. Let's spread the good news. Let's engage in whatever our asset that God has placed on our heart and let's move. Because there's a world waiting to hear from us. And so finally, I, I just want to tell you one more thing, and then I'll be done. Is so we, we think about the strength of our church, right? 
And in our natural ways, we say, oh, we're just this little tiny church. Heck, we've only got like 30 people here this morning. We're in a little town. All downtown's closed. And so what are we supposed to do? We talk about numbers, and we're looking through things with temporal eyes. We're no longer in the understanding of Ephesians 6, where there's a spiritual battle going on. It's not fought with temporal, physical tools. Because it's irrelevant how many people are in the pews when each and every individual is doing their part. Okay? It's irrelevant because of the power of God in our lives how many people are in the pews when each and every individual is doing their part. But hear this. It's also irrelevant how many people are in the pews if not everybody is willing to do their part. Both ways. Five people can have more effect than 500 people if those five are committed to each other's back and to the work that God has given each and every one of us and our church family as a corporate body. So let me close you in prayer, okay? And then we'll do communion. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for or this day. I thank you for the, even the, um, the recent events on the headlines. Because it doesn't take very much in research and investigation to find out that even in the darkest times, especially in the darkest times, the church comes alive. And things happen. And people's eternal lives are changed day after day after day because they have a need and we have the answer. God, I pray over this church family and in my life and Angie's life and all the people that all of us in this room are able to affect, that we truly do start looking at this as a life and death situation that we're involved in, an eternal life and death situation, in fact. Help us to be the body of Christ. Help us to learn what being devoted, going deeper, sharing everything, skill sets. Help us to find the thing that you've been designed us for. If when you knit us together in our mother's womb, God, let that come to full fruition now in my life, in the lives of my brothers and sisters in Miller and all of us that we affect. God, you have a plan. You certainly do hold us all in your hand. And so, God, on this day, form our clay. Move us, change our hearts, transform our lives, and help us, God. Help us, Lord, to always be ready to go to battle. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Hey, guys, thanks for checking us out here today. If you'd like to learn more, just visit us at www.millerchristianchurch.org. Thank you, guys. See you later.